welcome to the Physics Teaching Podcast, the podcast for teachers of physics made by physics teachers. Physics teachers like me, Thomas WP, a part-time, A-level mostly, teacher of physics. And physics teachers like me, I'm Robin Griffiths, a full-time teacher of physics from year 8 through to year 13, uh, online only at the moment, but I'm thrilled, thrilled, genuinely thrilled to be talking this evening to um, Christina Astin. Christina, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. So, Christina, tell us a little bit, first of all, about who you are and what you do. Well, the short version is that I'm basically a physics teacher. That is my first love and passion. But I'm now spending most of my time doing training, advice, consultancy with schools on everything from physics and science to middle leadership and partnerships. Yeah, and I must say, I'd have to apologise because we should have had you on the um, the podcast ages ago. I think you could you'll probably do a whole podcast on your own on on physics teaching and particularly supporting physics teachers because you are an absolute star uh, with that. But where where I caught up with you recently, and I, it was, was kind of one thing I wanted to kick off talking to you about, uh, was recently um, you just did an incredible job of bringing together core practicals for online teaching. Tell us, tell us what happened. Well, I was just conscious with the training that I do with physics teachers that a lot of teachers were struggling to keep their students engaged during lockdown and this remote learning, particularly with the sort of practical work and the practical skills that they're obviously missing out on not being in the lab at the moment. And I know there's been some great research by the Education Endowment Foundation about trying to keep students engaged and that kind of interactivity is really, really important. So while teachers are doing an amazing job of finding videos to show the kids or indeed even making videos themselves or streaming live from their labs, actually, if the students themselves have the opportunity to engage with a practical, make decisions, choices about, you know, apparatus, variables, and then actually manipulate all of that, get data, analyze it, draw their own graph and so on. It's so, so much more powerful. And I think when they get back in the lab after this lockdown, um, we just want those skills still to be sort of simmering away. So that's really why I did it. I I was absolutely inspired by the wonderful Helen Reynolds, um, Mm -hmm. who has this incredible list of simulations that she's been collecting since well, before lockdown, I think. And I basically started with those and did a little bit of digging around myself and was trying to find, it was quite difficult actually, to find practicals that were suitable for GCSE level because a lot of them are sort of for university. So um, I managed to find something for every one of the required practicals for the three main exam boards and done a bit of training with some teachers on them. The resources are out there and yeah, I hope hope it's helpful. No, it's, I mean, it's brilliant because Thomas and I were talking a couple of weeks back about this and uh, about the, the fact that there is a huge amount out there, but it's it's just sort of unmediated, unedited, however you want to put it, that nobody sort of gathers it together one place. And we, we've sort of put some things on our website, but this is uh, just basically, as you say, every single core practical links to resources, links to places where you can go to find simulations, to find videos, to find all sorts. It's brilliant. I think we need the URL. Well, I, I shall give it to you right now. It's www.physicspartners.com forward slash resources and there's a whole load of things on that page including these simulations but yeah I was just conscious that teachers are you know having taught myself for over 20 years you just haven't got time to start digging around and finding all this stuff there's almost too much out there so I thought if I just filter it down quality assure it a little bit um, and then show people actually how to use them um, you know it might save somebody a bit of a job 
Oh, it's fantastic. I'm just looking through it now, and and, and I love it because the you've got that that lovely slide in in the PowerPoint, but it's all summarised, and it's just a, a beautiful warren of links that you can follow. It's all broken out by thermal, electrical forces, and matter and waves. Uh, just beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah, and I I tried to find up to three different uh, alternatives for each one. Haven't succeeded with all of them, um, and I'll you know I'll keep up to, updating that. Um, but I've got my own sort of recommended one. But hopefully amongst all of those links, there are some really quite good providers, developers, including some people who are quite new to the new to the party. Um, so, you know, might be quite fun to have a bit of a play over half term or whatever. Try try some new websites. Absolutely. And of course, if, if anybody wants to uh, weigh in with uh, some uh, extra resources that they've found that might not be included. Of course, they can get in touch with you via us, of course, via the Physics Partners website as, as well, of course, I guess. Please, please do. On Twitter as well, I'm on. I'm at Christina Astin. I would love to um, to hear people's ideas. As I say, new people are coming into the market all the time and I don't always find them. They are all free, by the way. I should have said that, but some of them are not free forever. Some of them are on a kind of free trial, but a lot of people are giving free trials at the moment um, because of the pandemic. So um, go and explore, have fun. There are, of course, my three Excel spreadsheets, but I'm not sure they're GCSE required practicals. There's a resistivity of a wire. There's the Planck constant using LEDs. And then there's your thickness of lead radiation one, Robin. All simulations designed to do the experiment using Excel. Ooh, nice. I think the... Um thickness uh with the gamma source might just about squeeze into a gcse required practical somewhere but uh, that would be the only one i can think of actually not one of the required ones but it's a jolly good one to be doing yeah mm, no absolutely that's lovely so th- this is this is a phenomenal effort and and i think it's just fantastic and obviously we're, we're sending people to the physics partners website to do this um physics partners now I, i'm aware of it and it's a, it's a wonderful charity but um There'll be a lot of people who are sitting there thinking, physics partners, who are they? This sounds like my kind of thing. Could you tell us a bit about that? Because you've been involved with them for a while, haven't you, Christina? Yeah, yeah, I've been involved with them for about six or seven years. Um, It's a small educational charity, but um, really uh, powerful and quite agile because because of its size. And it's working with um, schools, with teachers, teachers of science who might not be physics specialists. And, you know, we know that something like 50% of teachers of physics um, are not specialists and early career teachers and and technicians as well. So what we do in normal times is to go into a school. um, We have some hubs and sometimes we work with schools individually and we work with teachers. We, you know, we'll demonstrate some practicals, talk through the theory. It's a sort of mix of subject knowledge, improving confidence, getting used to using um, some of the practical apparatus that might not always be familiar. I mean, you just mentioned radioactivity with lead. I mean, a lot of teachers won't have actually handled radioactive sources if they haven't trained as, as physicists. So it's just giving them an opportunity to practice, to chat about physics, to learn a little bit more about um, how to teach in an engaging way, because I think we all know that if you're teaching outside your specialism, you might not have all those kind of backstories and contexts and models and analogies that, you know, make the teaching so much more lively. Um, So that's what we do in normal times. And of course, in lockdown, we've just, you know, segued seamlessly online and we've been delivering to thousands of teachers um, through online workshops, which has been great fun. Fantastic. Well, obviously, the, the, the links to the website is going in the, um, in the show notes. So uh, 
just look down below for uh, for information about physics partners. But um, I want to say one of the things I, I, I always loved about the model was that it was kind of a, a grassroots based thing, very much like the podcast. You know, we're, we're practicing teachers. We, we love talking about physics. It's kind of it's got that kind of ground up feel about it. Yeah, we we like to use expert physics teachers from all places and walks of life. So some of them are practicing physics teachers. Some are recently retired. Some are doing it freelance like like me now. We actually use quite a lot of teachers from the independent sector because I think we all know that they have a bit of a concentration of physics teachers. I mean, certainly over here in East Kent, where we have uh, grammar schools and non-grammar schools, physics teachers tend to be found more in the grammar schools and the independent schools. So it's it's a fantastic example of of cross-sector partnership. These independent school teachers have the expertise and if we can persuade their schools to release them for, you know, half a day every other week or something to help their colleagues in the state sector that might have a different specialism, it's it's spreading that expertise around and it's a very sustainable model. So, yeah, if anyone here is listening from the independent sector and love to give a little bit of that uh, time to helping other physics teachers, get in touch. It'd be fantastic to hear from you. Yeah, it's 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 one of the lovely things I thought was that you know that these these partnerships build up, and even if it's just you know the independent school providing a lab and tea and biscuits, you know the the, the physics teacher comes from another school down the road who find that sort of thing quite difficult to provide. You know that, that this is is a way that they can help, and that that's um that's one of the things as you say is quite collaborative across physics teaching colleagues in in all sorts of different schools, which is great. So very yeah. nice. Absolutely. I mean, my my job, um, my last job in a school was actually after I'd stepped down as head of science, I was head of partnerships. So my responsibility was right across the whole curriculum, getting schools together, sometimes across the two sectors, sometimes within, to work together to basically to do things together that you can't do on your own. Mm. You know, whichever side of the fence you start on, there are always things to learn from the other sector. And I'm absolutely passionate about helping schools to work together. Somebody recently called me a partnerpreneur. <laughs> I think that's a made up word, but I love it. You know, I love creating uh, partnerships and spreading those networks and helping people to work together because, you know, let's face it, life's going to be pretty tough as we come out of this pandemic. And um, I think it's really going to be really difficult for schools, difficult for young people. And you know, we need to work together in our local communities to come up with solutions that are going to help everybody. I, I'm doing quite a lot of work with schools to try and help them set up their partnerships and look at their overall strategy and how they're going to work with with local schools. So, yeah, we're really excited about this this new direction. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. It's this sort of sense that we're, we're kind of coming out of a, a crisis post-pandemic and, and that need for partnership, that need for collaboration is going to become uh, more acute and, and just it will become more fruitful because we're going to be dealing with issues that are new and um, we're going to have to feel our way through those. So uh, partnerships are going to help uh, to, to share the knowledge. So let's say, dear listeners, listening um they're sitting there thinking well yeah that's all very well but you know what, what do i how how do i as, as a science teacher how do i get involved with partnerships what what should they do well i think the most successful partnerships are are born out of a whole school strategy so it's really worth talking to you know your senior leaders in the school to to think about which schools you want to approach how you want to work with them what you want to get out of it what you think they will get out of it and you know really think of the benefits to both parties 
But on a, a sort of smaller level, it's possible just to make contact with a colleague in a local school. I mean, any contact you have with other people and pick each other's brains is, is always going to be beneficial, I think. Yeah, so start small, maybe sort of reach out, find a local colleague, uh, and then start to think about how that partnership might develop from there and, and then, then perhaps formalise it a bit more and make sure you've got senior leadership on side. Yeah, definitely. Lovely. One of the things I've noticed is that people have been sharing fantastic resources on Twitter. Um, and and that's all sort of in the virtual world. But, you know, when we can get together again, how much more powerful is it to actually sit down with somebody who really, you know, like we had, has never handled radioactive sources before, has never twiddled a, an oscilloscope or, or whatever, um, and, and actually show them how it's done. Because I think, you know, we know that in the state sector, the average time um, a science teacher spends in their career is, is now only five years. That's the average time. So there are an awful lot of people who are quite early in their career and haven't necessarily mastered the craft of teaching, let alone, you know, physics teaching outside their specialism. So the more we can do to help, the better. And, you know, Physics Partners is a good vehicle to do that because we've got all the um, expertise in helping you become a trainer of teachers if all you've done before is is teach pupils. And we've got all the sort of resources. We've got the admin to help you connect with those local schools if you want to, because we know that teachers don't have time to do that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're there to sort of really facilitate that partnership. That's what I love. I mean, that's why I really love is And you, you mentioned it earlier when you said use the word agile. What I really love is that is that sort of really, really practical hands on sort of idea of, yeah, you know, we're going to set you up you know, in a partnership, we're going to get that partnership functioning uh, um, and we'll make sure that, that we're there to support whatever needs to get that going uh, and, and um, you know, facilitate that that partnership. And of course, it, you know, every different one is unique, isn't it? That's the other thing that struck me when I was um, working closely with, with physics partners. That every single partnership had its own character, had its own uh, slightly unique set of circumstances. And that was all yeah. fine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some in some cases, the trainer just works with an individual school and builds up a really close relationship with those teachers. In most cases, we have these hubs where um, a school acts as the kind of centre of the hub. And then you've got six, seven, eight schools around it that, that come, they all come together. And some of them, they rotate which school hosts. Some of them even have matured to a point where somebody in each school actually trains does the training leads on the training each time we also we decided early in lockdown that um, in order to try and reach more teachers we would establish a series of films so I don't know if you've seen our physics fuel project so this is a series of short films got seven up on the website so far there are another four about to be released and and more that we hope we'll be able to make later on in the year so some of our trainers just came forward and we made these films during lockdown at home. They're very informal, but very, we, we, we took a lot of care to um, write the script very, very carefully so that they are just 10 minute bursts on one quite focused down concept, um, like specific heat capacity or thermal radiation or um, energy stores. And um, they're, the sort of length of time you, you're just about to teach the topic, you're going to you're just preparing your lessons for next week. Grab a cup of coffee, watch the film. Loads of good ideas, loads of um, thinking about the misconceptions that pupils might have, and they are you're ready to go. So uh, yeah, t- take a look at those. 
they look good because you've got a bit of history in films, haven't you? Because I, I noticed, I remember that there were a few videos. Alan Shahar, friend of the podcast, who came on very kindly and talked to us. But um, you did some films with him at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's that's going back a few years now. But we just at the time that the the A level required practicals were about to come out, um, which which Thomas you mentioned, we decided to make a series of films about them for physics teachers. So yeah, they're hosted on the new STEM, NU STEM website. Um, it was it was great fun because actually my, my dalliance with presenting on film goes right back to the early noughties when I was a finalist in a BBC talent competition. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. They were looking for a new science presenter like off the street. Yeah. And um, and I applied. I was one of thousands that applied. Anyway, it whittled down and whittled down. And we we had presenter training sessions at the BBC and everything. It was great fun. I got down to the last three. So um, I did a couple of live shows on Tomorrow's World. And um, uh, unfortunately, it was pipped at the post. But what an experience that was. I did make a few science videos for schools after that. Um, but uh, yeah, then then it was lovely to work with Alon. I mean, he is such a pro and no. And I learned so much from working with him, but it's just, you know, great fun. And again, hopefully a service to teachers. So I've, I've got to ask this. You got down to the last three. Who picked you at the post then? Who is it? Well, her name was Hermione Coburn. Uh, we, we've never heard from her again. Oh, well, she has popped up on Tomorrow's World a couple of times since. Well, I mean, the prize for the winner was to be able to present a few BBC science programmes in the in the months or years afterwards. But they didn't want to take you out of your day job as a scientist. Oh. Um, I was teaching science then, of course, and... Um, well, it was quite useful, actually, because I think the headmaster I was working for at the time was quite scared I might leave. <laughs> <laughs> so quite quite useful leverage there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that's the, I had no idea. That's a fantastic story. What, what, what a great... Yeah, we, we, I mean, Alon's videos are so fantastic. That's the thing. He makes it look so effortless, but they are so professional and so polished and they're so wonderful to watch. So, uh, yes, if you get a chance, we'll, we'll put some links to Alon's uh, uh, YouTube videos on uh, on the show notes as well, just so everybody can catch up with those because they are a, a things of beauty. Um, and of course, links to the new STEM website as well with, uh, with, with yours as well, Christina. Um, now we, we talked partnership and we've, we've, we've talked those, um, the, those bits and pieces. Now I know uh, we, we've talked a lot about practical work. So Thomas, I'm sure you're going to be wanting to ask Christina, aren't you? That question. <laughs> well, before I ask her that famous question, I was going to say we had a contact from a friend of the podcast, Lewis Matheson, uh, only today. And he has also been worried about kids being able to take their own results and do the practical. And he's made a series of his wonderful YouTube videos on it. So I'll put the, the link in the, in the show notes. It's GCSE Physics Online slash practicals. Uh, I've been doing that in my, in my lessons. I've, I've made this lead-weighted bicycle wheel, Robin, for teaching rotational dynamics in A-level. And I get them to watch it and time it and make calculations from the wheel. Like I hang a weight on one side and let it rotate around. They have to estimate the angle and then work out the, the, the rotational friction. Uh, it's been great fun. It does That does work. Big bicycle wheel, the only thing on the screen. They, they, they've been able to do the results. So, yes, practical work is possible in lockdown anyway the question christina is is there a practical you want to be remembered for so if you bump into someone in the street and they say <laughs> oh miss i remember when we what's that sentence well 
Okay. I thought at first you were going to ask me which is my favourite practical. Now, that's a very easy question to answer. You can answer that. You can then you can. Well, are they if they're different? We'd like to know both, of course. It'll, it'll buy me time to think if there's a if there's an alternative um, uh, answer to the other one. I mean, the the, <laughs> the one practical situation that's probably most memorable for a certain group of students is when a, a boy called George decided he wanted to see what would happen if he tried to hole punch his thumb. <laughs> um, suffice to say, he was more successful than he thought he would be. Um, <laughs> We had to send him off to A&E to get sort of bandaged up. No, my favourite my favorite practical, well, it's really a demonstration, if that's allowed, is the shuttling ball demonstration. Oh, I love that. I just love the fact that it makes this really neat connection between static electricity and current electricity. And I know that some schools teach static electricity after current. I, I just can't understand that. Teach the charges first, not moving, and then get them moving, and then you've got a circuit. So... And it's mesmerising. Yeah, it is mesmerising. I think I've even Instagrammed my own shuttling ball demonstration. I think I, what a, I, no one's come up with that. I love the shuttling ball. Yeah. I've, I've got, I've got it on behalf of the listener who's sitting there going, Shut, what shuttling ball? I mean, obviously, I don't know what you're talking about, but, you know, shuttling ball demonstration. Come on, describe it to us. Yeah, well, the shuttling ball demonstration, basically, you need two metal plates and a, a ping pong ball covered in metal paint or even just foil suspended on a thread in between the two of them you put a high potential difference between the two plates i mean like you know three to five kilovolts so you know that's the other thing the kids love it because it's dangerous mm, get the sparking in. and you can put um, a galvanometer in there like an ed spot galvanometer just so that you can measure the current but you know it's not essential and um the ping pong ball uh, touches let's say it touches the negative plate first picks up some electrons shuttles them like a ferry over to the positive plate dumps them on the positive plate thus completing the circuit so you're sort of shuttling the charge ferrying the charge from one plate to another Um, so we've started with this static charge and then we've got this rather sort of stuttery um, current uh, flowing and you know it's just great then you go on to to show the children um, that current is charge over time, rate of flow of charge. And then you can ask them, how can we make the ping pong ball go faster? And they all come up with ideas. Everybody in the class will come up with an idea. Oh, turn the power up, miss. Right. You turn the power up, turn the voltage up. Yes, it shuttles faster. Um, What if we use bigger metal plates? What if we move the plates closer together? What if we use a bigger ball? Ah, that's an interesting one. What if the ball's heavier as well as being bigger? So it leads on to loads and loads of stuff. And I'm so grateful to Daisy Fox from the IOP who showed me how you can do it at home. I had some Pringles tubes left over and I just felt sure there was some physics practical I could use them for. And she showed me the way. It is the shuttling ball demonstration. So the, the metal plates at the end of the Pringle Pringles tube, those are your metal plates and you just connect them to... Um, Use one of those fun fly sticks that you can buy for, you know, doing sort of fun stuff with static electricity. And uh, yeah, works. It's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. I, recently, I've been, I bought a, a mini desktop Van de Graaff generator, <laughs> which I've been wondering about uses for. But now I know I can, with a couple of Pringles ends, I can yeah. do the shuttling ball demonstration. Brilliant. <laughs> 
That's great. No, it is a phenomenal practical. You're absolutely right. And of course, I'd, I'd never thought to do what you said there, which was the asking them at the end, how do you make it go quicker? That's a great, great question just to draw them in. Brilliant. I just love that. I, I will definitely put on the show notes my little video of my the shuttling ball. Pock, 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 yeah. pock, pock. It's just mesmerizing. It just I could just watch it for ages. I did get it going and I, and I tweeted my video of it a, a couple of months ago. But yeah, it's a good one. So uh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Christine, for that. And um, I did want to ask you, because we've, we've been thinking uh, for a while uh, of basically chatting to uh, a few students about physics teaching, because it's, you know, we physics teaching podcast, we're a podcast for physics teachers, of course, but um, of course, the, uh, the students' views are very, very relevant and very, very important in the whole idea of teaching. Uh, but you, you've got history in this area. You, you are the Young Scientist Journal, is that right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm most proud of um, in my career, in my life, actually, is co-founding the Young Scientist Journal. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's a it's a science journal which is written, edited and completely run by students. Uh, and by students, I mean age 12 to 20. So, you know, these incredible teenagers, um, they are writing articles, they are peer reviewing or editing each other's articles, and they are running the whole journal. So they're doing the social media, they're doing the production, they're looking after the website, they do all the web development, um, all run by students. And um, uh, there's just one adult in charge. That used to be me. I've now handed on to another uh, physics teacher, I'm happy to say, keep it in the family. Um, And uh, they've come out with 22 issues now um they have a conference every year uh, which attracts students from all over the world of course the latest one was a virtual conference but if you if you take a look at the website i th- i think you'll be blown away the quality of the science that they're uh, writing about the projects that students all over the world have have done in their labs after school in their Nuffield Research Projects in their EPQs, their Crest Awards, or just for fun. It's incredible the level of science that these teenagers can reach. It's very inspirational. So, yeah, I mean, any teachers out there that, that want their students to get involved or would like to maybe point their students to articles written by their peers, it's very motivating, I think, or to encourage them to join the team, you know, perhaps they're not really scientists but they'd like to help with the graphic design or the artwork or the social media and so on anyway it's ysjournal.com ysjournal.com yeah okay young scientists journal yeah got got it going as really as a school project in about 2006 i uh, had, had a group of students who were really keen on the idea and so we we got that together and we published issue one as a sort of school journal but we put it out on the on the interweb and by issue two we'd started to get contributions from other students and now it's just it's just snowballed i mean there are students from sort of 45 countries involved now brilliant and again listening listening in wanting to get involved presumably it's just a case of saying to students yeah if you want to work this up into a journal article you can submit it but um presumably you can just get in touch via the website can you Absolutely. And, and I just encourage students to get in touch themselves, because this is one of those projects where you don't, as a teacher, you know, you don't need to get involved. You could run a, a hub, a Young Scientist Journal hub with a group of your students all helping to contribute to the journal. But your involvement would be negligible. All you should have to do is to sit at the back of the classroom, 
provide the biscuits, put your feet up, do your marking. You know, it's up to the students really to take the initiative and get involved themselves. It's, you know, it's really great, I think, to have, you know, teachers, as teachers, we're so, we can be so controlling sometimes, can't we? And it's just great to have a project where the students take the lead. And when you let them loose, it's a bit nerve wracking uh, when I was founding this journal, but they really rise to the mark if you give them enough flexibility. So, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, I was lucky enough to go to the Royal Society a couple of years back and uh, they had an exhibition on, I wish I could remember the name of it, it was an exhibition of you know, scientific research that had been done. I think it was universities uh, partnering with schools to to do sort of original research in schools. And the standard was just phenomenally high. And I remember... Yeah, that would be the Royal Society partnership grants, probably. And quite a lot of the articles we've published have come from those grants. Which is, which is brilliant. And in fact, we were lucky enough in 2015 to be part of the celebrations at the Royal Society for their 350th anniversary of science publishing. So the very first science journal was Philosophical Transactions, uh, which was published right at the infancy of the Royal Society. And uh, to celebrate their 350th birthday, um, they wanted to get involved with the Young Scientist Journal and so we published a special issue together with the Royal Society of projects that had attracted Royal Society partnership grants. And it was incredibly exciting to, to be there and, and, and be part of that. It's so lovely because, I mean, it's so lovely to hear, you know, getting schools involved with the Royal Society. It's so easy for science to seem distant. But, you know, Royal Society I always think of as Science HQ. And it's lovely to hear Science HQ. Actually, you can go along, you can visit that beautiful, beautiful uh, building down in uh, Colton, 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 Colton Gate Gardens, isn't it? Whatever it is. But uh, it's just, yeah, yeah and, and just phenomenal. And again, Royal Society website, there'll be more about this. Uh, and we'll, we'll post a link again in, in the show notes. One of the lovely things about that particular issue was that a, a lot of the articles that young scientists publish are very, very high, high attaining science, you know, real sort of top, top, top A level kind of stuff. But it is possible to do new science, new groundbreaking science with almost no apparatus at all. And one of the articles we published was a group of children from a comprehensive in North London who'd done a study of horse chestnut trees in their local park with just a microscope and a lot of people do a lot of counting and a bit of statistics. They managed to do something that nobody's done before. So fantastic. I'm sorry it wasn't physics. (laughs) Yes, I mean, we do have to recognise that other sciences do exist, but it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like such a great project and it's so empowering, just just wonderful. Christina, I I noticed we, I mean, I I could carry on talking for hours, but I'm just in awe of all of the stuff that you do and so looking forward to uh, talking to you again sometime soon. And of course, um, the, the clarion call is after lockdown, get those partnerships going. Yeah, I mean, do. And there's so much uh, inspiring stuff out there. So if you don't know where to start, you know, check out the Schools Together website um, and go to Physics Partners. If it's a physics partnership that you're interested in setting setting up or um, get in touch with me, I'd, I'd be really happy to help. There's also our website, resources.physicsteachingpodcast.com, which is where we sucked up the Helen Reynolds stuff and some other resources people have shared with us made them searchable and uh, commentable and, and rateable. Uh, the, the dream is that that will become a resource for physics teachers. So that's resources.physicsteachingpodcast.com. Oh, it's there as well. Give, give, give our resources a bit of plug too. And I will put a link to your spreadsheet on there as well. 
lovely well it's been because i know i think the listeners probably got a sense of how busy you are christina and it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you so uh, thank you so much indeed uh, for, for joining us this evening and um and we will speak to you soon thanks christina thank you very much for having me it's been a, a delight and thank you thomas thank you robin speak to you next week Thank you for listening to the Physics Teaching Podcast and special thanks this week to Christina Astin. The podcast is presented by me, Thomas WP, with Robin Griffiths and produced and edited by me, Thomas WP, with Robin doing the show notes. Thank you for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Music